Oh, good morning, uh, Orangewood. Uh, great to see all of you here in the room. Welcome those online who are joining us as well. Uh, please remain standing as I read from Matthew 5, if you want to follow along in a Bible. Uh, it will be on the screen behind me, but Matthew 5, uh, as I read um, verses 38 through 45, it says this. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, uh, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Before you take a seat, would you pray with me? Gracious father, um, we need your spirit and the power of the gospel and what Jesus has done to make real to us again our need. But not only our need, your longing to free us today. And so, Lord, uh, (laughs) through your spirit, uh, speak that we would see Jesus in him only. And it's in his name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, If you are a a guest with us today, I'm really glad you're here. We uh, began a sermon series we started uh, at the beginning of this month. We closed today called Bad Religion, and we're looking at what Jesus has to say to us about what true transformation looks like. How does it come to our life? And and, and today, he's wanting to end uh, with maybe the most painful, probably the most personal of case studies of where transformation needs to come uh, in your life and mine And it's the discussion around revenge and forgiveness. There's a Gallup poll that was taken a couple years back and uh, people were asked in this poll, um, do you think forgiveness is a good thing? Uh, Is forgiveness uh, good for your personal health? Um, Is it good for personal relationships? Is Is it good for societal peace that we forgive and Uh, They polled, uh, you can think in your head what number uh, would say uh, forgiveness was important. Uh, 94% said forgiveness is important. We need forgiveness. Super important. Then they were asked a follow-up question. uh, How many of you struggle to forgive or find it impossible to forgive? 84%. 94 say uh, you should forgive, you need to forgive. It's going to be really good for you, really important for you to forgive. At the same time, 84% saying I can't forgive. It's impossible for me to forgive. This disconnection that we experience in our culture and through this study, we we may even this morning find that same disconnection. How do I How do I forgive? when it feels almost impossible. So this morning, uh, the first question we need to look at is, what is our usual way of dealing with our issues? What's the usual way? 
And Jesus is wanting to address it in our passage. What's, what's our usual way of solving our issues? Jesus says it is revenge. It, it's retaliation. And those two words I'm actually going to use interchangeably in the sermon, revenge and retaliation. He outlines the usual way we try to solve our issues in verse 38. It says this, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Jesus here is quoting from a three passages in the Hebrew scripture. One of them, Exodus 21, Leviticus 24, and Deuteronomy 19. And, and the passage was given in the Old Testament uh, to be a guide to the judges and how, how they led Israel. And, and what was happening was uh, someone would have an offense happen. Someone would, would take out someone's eye. And when they retaliated, they would retaliate taking out both eyes. Uh, someone would, uh, would knock out someone's tooth. And, and, and rather than just you know, making a, a tooth for a tooth, they took out someone's whole mouth. Uh, the retaliation went up because revenge always escalates. And, and so this was given in the Hebrew scripture uh, to be a guide for the judges of how do we lead justly. But now in Jesus's day, people are now taking that law that was meant for the judges and applying it to themselves as the individual. When they were wronged, when you are hurt, what is the way to solve your issues? The usual way is revenge and retaliation. And that's why this is bad religion. The people had taken the legal law that was meant to guide the judges as they ruled the people of Israel. They'd taken that law and they had applied it to themselves of how I live out my life. If someone wrongs me, I'm going to get them back. Why is retaliation our usual way of dealing with our issues? The first is there is an, an innate sense in every one of us of longing for justice. Um, this is one argument I would give any person here if you're not a Christian. If you're not a Christian, I'm so glad you're here. But this is one of the, the main arguments I'd give you for Christianity is this innate sense of justice we all carry inside of us. That wrongs need to be made right. That what happened to me is not okay. I mean, we see this happening in the streets around our country right now that what happened to Tyree Nichols was not okay, that people are coming out, non-Christians, Christians alike coming out to say, this is not okay. There's an innate sense of justice that we all carry. But what happens, unfortunately, is that you and I, in that moment of wrong done to us, grab the judge's gavel. Dallas Willard says the greatest temptation from the very beginning of all creation was that we bought the lie that I must take matters into my own hands. I must take matters into my own hands. I heard a story a while ago, somebody was sharing here at the church. They were, they were driving, they were running late to get here for worship one Sunday and some knucklehead cut them off just cut them off as they were trying to get off the exit. And this person, you know, let them know uh, by giving them the love of their horn. And uh, they're thinking, gosh, where is this knucklehead going? Why did this idiot just cut me off? And, and then to see the person in front of them as they exited, uh, put on their left blinker and pulled into Orangewood Church parking lot just before them. 
be very careful taking matters into your own hands. So the first issue is revenge seems like our normal way because it speaks to our innate sense of justice. But secondly, revenge feels like the only way and the only answer to our hurt. When you are wronged, when you are hurt, that pain goes to such a deep level of betrayal that it's almost hard to put it in words sometimes. Uh, I had a friend, she was a high-level business consultant in Michigan, did a lot, CEO, and then did a lot of consulting on the side. And um, I knew in her story that she had battled uh, breast cancer, a very aggressive and um, she went through chemo. She uh, wasn't even sure she was going to live. And um, uh, she was now clear in remission. And she had gone on to a conference with us. And we're sitting there. And we're kind of just sharing how life was going. And, and she said to me, uh, or we were, I said, hey, how's everybody doing? She said, this has been the worst year of my life. And I'm thinking in my head, oh, no, the cancer came back. But she started to share that she had been in a legal battle with one of the uh, company she had been doing consulting for. And uh, this company is now suing her and slandering her and jeopardizing her reputation. And, and she's having to, to go through the legal proceedings knowing there's no justification for what they're doing. She's, she's having to see these people in person and just the pain of betrayal. And she said this line that stuck with me ever since. She said to me at that lunch, give me cancer any day over what I'm having to deal with now. Give me cancer any day. I, I know the chemo. I know you thought you were going to lose your life. Give, give me cancer any day than having to go through this. And you're here, and I know that you know this, that the pain that you feel, it feels like the only way to answer it, the, the only way to right the wrong of the hurt that I've carried is to get even. When the pain goes so deep, when, when, when the hurt feels excruciating and overwhelming retaliation just makes the most sense. How could they do this to me? How could they do this to me? Maybe, maybe that's how you feel about the hurt that you've been left to carry. Maybe retaliation feels like the only response an eye for an eye. Uh, but what we need to see this morning is why revenge is not working. I think of two reasons for why Jesus gives us this warning for taking matters into our own hands. First, revenge turns the victim into the victimizer. I had a friend who shared the painful reality of finding out their spouse was having an affair. And he did the right thing immediately. He, he, he got into some counseling. He, he wanted someone to come around him and, and, and to kind of walk with him through what he was experiencing. And he went to that first counseling session. And at the very end of the session, um, the, the counselor said to him, Jim, and uh, just so we know, Jim is not his real name. So any Jims you may know, this is not a local Jim. You are no more dangerous than when you are right. You're no more dangerous 
than when you are right. The reality is for you and for me, there there are things that have happened to you. There are things that you're going through. um, There are people that have wronged you and, and you're no more dangerous than when you are right. Uh, that, that you become the victimizer, afflicting either consciously or subconsciously by the hurt that you carry. Uh, John Perkins is a hero of mine. Uh, he has spent his life uh, being on the front end of biblical racial reconciliation. And um, John shares about growing up in Mississippi in the mid-1950s, a very racially torn state. And he eventually had to be sent off to live with some relatives in California because his brother Clyde had returned home from the army and was brutally killed um, by white cops. John had also returned home at one point and also had been spat on and abused in the process. And revenge... John said, seemed like the only balm for my soul. You are no more dangerous than when you are right. But listen to his counsel. He says this, we must be very careful about falling into the camp of pride. After my beating in Brandon, I wanted to be a victim. For persons who see themselves as victims It is easy to be ensnared by pride. We can carry our pain as a badge of honor and try to whip others with it, end quote. Friends, where are the places in your life where you're no more dangerous right now, but because you are right? The usual way doesn't work because it turns a victim into victimizers. But secondly, It doesn't work because revenge promises forgiveness, but only leads you to a prison. Uh, If you give into the idea of punishing the other, if you stew and fret and worry about what they did, if you replay the tapes in your mind, now here I'm dating myself, I'm thinking videotapes, You replay the tapes in your mind over and over of what they did. You might think, I'm going to feel better. But the reality is, it only makes things worse. I had to preach one time at this um, retreat center. And after it was done, I was preaching on forgiveness. Uh, This elderly man came up to me. Um, and he was crying and sir, what, what's going on? And he, he shared with me, um, he said that I have been living and stewing and I've been living angry in revenge with my mom who basically lived in such a way, spoke evil of him all the time, spoke evil to him all the time, uh, just had mean words for him all the time. And he's carried this resentment his whole life, his whole life. And maybe that's some of your story too. He's carried this resentment. And, and, and it, it, he's, he's realizing in that moment uh, the pain that he's carried with his mom and he's crying and then he starts to laugh. He started to laugh. And I'm, I'm like, I have no idea how to follow these emotions right now. Um, and he, he, he said, and here's the crazy thing, Tyler. 
I've been stewing and replaying and revenge just fills my heart and I can't forgive her. But thing is, she's been dead for 20 years. I'm over here killing myself for this and she's not thinking about me at all. And he began to laugh because he was realizing the revenge that promised him freedom was a prison. And here's the worst part about it. That prison is locked from the inside. That that prison is the prison that we choose to to stay in. This is one of the major overarching themes uh, in the story of Moby Dick, uh, the the whale and Ahab. The the whale, uh, at one point, one of the voyages bites off uh, Ahab's leg. And so Ahab uh, walks with a prosthetic leg uh, for the rest of his life. And the story, one of the main plots of the story is uh, he's consumed with getting this whale, killing this whale, making this whale pay. Uh, going out on more and more voyages, uh, taking other people along with him to, to finally slay uh, his prey. Because if I can get revenge, then I will find freedom. But at the end of the story, uh, the, the, the whale smashes Ahab's boat. And, and you think right there he would give in, he would concede. But even to this final breath, he, he, he throws out the harpoon and the line catches him and is pulling him down in the water. As he's going down, as, as he's dying under the water, his very last breath that he can utter is a voice of revenge. He says this, from hell's heart, I stab at thee. For hate's sake, I spit my last breath at thee. Ahab's being literally pulled, uh, pulled, I'd say in some ways to hell by his revenge, pulled down to his very death. And all he has left is to offer his final words of cursing. From hell's heart, I stab at thee. For hate's sake, I spit at thee. It was said uh, Ahab walked with a limp after the whale took off his leg. And maybe today you feel the same way. Uh, There's there's a limp that you have walked with because of what someone did or what someone else said. But the limp for Ahab led to his own destruction. Revenge leads to the waters consuming you like they did him. Revenge leads to the waters overwhelming you. What about Jesus' way? Uh, This is Jesus' invitation. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Jesus' way is very different from the ways that we've inherited in the past and maybe the ways we are taught to live out today. Jesus and his way is wanting you to become a person of love and forgiveness. What does it mean to forgive? Well, I can think of four parts. The first part is naming the wrong that was done. 
Name the wrong that was done. There's been issues some today with people that have issues with forgiveness because they say, Tyler, if I forgive, then what's ever going to happen with what wrong they did? But true forgiveness, I think, is first seeing, naming, and condemning the wrong that was done to you. Second, we must let them go. We refuse to settle the score, to take the eye. We refuse to take matters into our own hands. That's what Jesus is getting at in verse 39. One commentator translated Jesus' words to say, but I say to you, do not ever try to get even or pay back. Now, there are a few misconceptions about what letting go means. First, letting go does not mean forgetting forgetting what they did. I've had people say, say, okay, to really forgive, you have to forgive and forget. And what I would say is sometimes that may happen, but for many of us, that may be virtually impossible. Uh, that, that we will forgive, but we may not forget. The second piece is letting go does not mean trusting them. I had someone come to me one time. They, they were saying um, someone had slandered their name at work. And it had gotten back to them. And they were asking, well, I'm walking through to forgive them, but does that mean I I bring them in? Do I I trust them? And I I said, I don't think that is true at all. I I think they have to earn your trust back. Maybe someday they'll have it, but you don't need to see them with forgiving them, letting them go, that they're now your trusted confidant. So forgiving does not mean trusting. And then finally, letting go does not mean overlooking. The reality is something might have happened to you, something you may have gone through where there are legal or criminal ramifications to what had happened. Letting go does not mean overlooking. Rachel, uh, my wife, I was chatting with her about the sermon this week and she had this amazing line that honestly, I wish I could have stolen for myself. Um, but because the sermon last week was on lying and the fact that she would be here listening today, I couldn't steal it, but I wanted you to hear it. She said this, letting go is releasing the power that they have had over you. That's a good line. Letting go is releasing the power that they have had over you. So forgiving is naming, condemning. Second, letting them go. And next, absorbing the debt. When you refuse to pay back what they did, that does not mean it goes away. That means you will take on and absorb the debt of the wrongs that they have done. Uh, When we lived in Michigan, um, one of our kids' friends uh, would come over all the time to play. Um, But every time this Uh, kid came over to play, what I knew was something in our house was going to get broken. Um, Now he was a sweet kid. We loved him, but he was crazy. He was crazy. And and I couldn't tell you how many times it's uh, something gets broken and we're, we're telling him and we're telling his parents, oh, don't worry. That's okay. We forgive you. But what I know is there is still a tear in our couch. I know he's broken the kid's Christmas toy that we got them that year. 
See, what I know is, even though we're forgiving him, even though we're letting him go, I'm choosing to absorb the debt of what he has done. And it's one of the reasons we moved to Florida. (laughs) Forgiveness means you're going to have to absorb the debt. Name it, condemn it, let it go, absorb the debt. Finally, the most painful, and for me personally, the hardest. Bless them. Listen to 1 Peter. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. Friends, to bless someone is to wish God's best for them. Um, I don't know if this happened to you. It happened to me. Um, Someone wronged me in life. Um, Slandered my name, threw my name through the mud. And um, I thought I had forgiven them. Um, I thought that I had let it go. But then I heard that this person that had slandered me, they lost their job. Um, they, they lost this prestigious role um, that I think led to some of their arrogance and how they treated me, but they lost it. And the second I heard they lost it, I loved it. Oh, I was honestly shocked how much I loved it. Maybe that's, you know, a little bit of how you're thinking this morning. Oh, oh, Tyler, yeah, I I get it. Eye for eye, I won't do it. But if someone else took the eye for me, I wouldn't complain. I wouldn't complain. To bless is to wish God's best for them. Here's your question for you to process this week. Maybe on your own because it's so personal, but maybe in a community group. Who do I need to bless? Uh, who, Who do I need to wish God's best on their life? So there's Jesus's way, just right there. Those four parts, that's it. You got it. Uh, Forgiveness is a good thing. Uh, I mean, obviously this is very clear. Um, Nothing to talk more about. Just go out and do it. That's it. No. If you're like me, in my own strength, I cannot do this. So how? What's the remedy? Well, the remedy that will enable you and me to forgive like Jesus is seeing the gospel and its power again for you and me this morning. First, we have to see Jesus truly forgiving us on the cross. You see, on the cross, Jesus is doing all those steps. He's he's naming, condemning. Not not only uh, is he condemning your enemy's sin, the one that's wronged you, but he's condemning yours. He's he's taking it and he's refusing to uh, make you pay. 
and, and you think you have to absorb into debt. You think you have to absorb debt. Uh, Jesus is, is bearing your eternal debt on himself on the cross. Uh, this is really the reason he is crying out, my God, my God, why, why have you forsaken me? It's, it's, it's because all of that, all of our sin has come down on him. All the wrongs we've done, he's, he, he, he's being judged on our behalf on the cross. And, and, and then we see that he's not only observing the debt, but on the cross, uh, he's blessing you. He's wishing God's best for you. He's saying, uh, God, uh, give them my perfect obedience. Uh, God, give them my perfect righteousness. Uh, God, give them the life that I lived as an exchange for them. God, God, give that to them. God, he is wishing God's best for you in his very moment of death. Uh, You remember the story of Ahab and Moby Dick? You know, Ahab is being pulled down uh, to his death, being pulled down to hell uh, because of his revenge. He, he, he's being pulled down, and, and as he's being pulled down and, and his revenge is consuming him, uh, Ahab uh, cried out, um, from, from hell's heart, I stab at thee. Uh, from hell's heart, I spit my last breath at you. You know what Jesus is doing? Jesus, Jesus is being pulled down. Uh, Jesus is literally being pulled down to hell. And and. As he's being pulled down, he, he says, from, from hell's heart, from hell's heart, I forgive thee. From, from hell's heart, I forgive thee. Uh, this is what he said on the cross. This is what he said. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Friends, the only way you're going to find the remedy to forgive those who have wronged you is to see how Jesus has forgiven you. Uh, to, to see it infinite cost to himself on the cross. He's there. He's there for you and he's blessing you. He, he's, he's wishing God's best for you in his life. He's exchanging his place for you. That's the power of the gospel. So we see that, but second, we see Jesus is leading you out of this prison of our own making. Uh, when you see Jesus is your savior on the cross, then you can begin to see Jesus as your Example. Uh, Jesus doesn't want you to live in the hell of revenge anymore. Uh, he, he, he doesn't want you to be consumed with what they did. He doesn't want you to be in the prison. He wants you to live in freedom, transformed by his life and his example. This is the way uh, 1 Peter puts it. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Friends, Jesus is inviting you this morning out of the prison of revenge. He's inviting you out of the wounds that you have carried and you've returned to, and he would like to heal them. Uh, He's inviting you out of the the, the tapes that you continue to play in your mind. And he wants to release their power over you. Listen, I 
if I can be honest, I know this is an incredibly hard topic. I know that there are stories. I know there there are images of people that come to your mind during the sermon that you are carrying right now. I know how hard it is. But over time, with Jesus's help, he would like to lead you out of the prison of your wounds and into his arms of healing. Uh, Corey Tim Boone uh, was a, a Dutch woman who lived during World War II and during the Holocaust. And um, her family was part of housing Jews secretly from the Nazis. But they got caught along the way and their family ended up in the concentration camp as well. And they suffered unspeakable abuse and treatment in the concentration camp. In fact, Corey's sister, Betsy, lost her life um, from the abuse of soldiers in the concentration camp. And after the war was over, uh, Corey was asked to go around speaking on the power of forgiveness and, and why people leaving the concentration camp needed to forgive because it was going to kill them. Revenge kills. And she's there at a church in Germany and she's sharing about the power of forgiveness. And in the back of the room, she can see one of the soldiers who abused her. One of the soldiers listening into this message of forgiveness. And, and as she's talking, she, she's beginning to pray, Lord, I'm praying that he is gone by the time this is over. But after she had finished talking, this soldier stayed. He stayed because he wanted to talk with her. And the soldier said this. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, to think that as you say, Jesus has washed away my sins. And then this soldier extended his hand to Corey Timboon and said, Would you please forgive me? Corey, in this moment, said this. This was her prayer. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder. It raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands and then This healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I have never known God's love so intensely as I did that day. And God wants that freedom for you. Friends, would you stand as we close? Friends, here's what I know. Like me, like Corey, left to ourselves in our own strength, we cannot do that. But what would it mean for you this week to pray as she prayed? Jesus, help me. Jesus, give me the power. Jesus, allow me to see what you've done for me. You bore my debt. And then to find 
that the jail cell is now being open and that someone who never thought that they could be free is you in his power, in his strength. Let's pray. Father, through the power of Jesus, help us. Help us to to lay down whatever metaphorical weapon we have in our hand when they came when they come up. Uh, Lord, allow us to release the power that they have had over us, and allow us to walk out of the jail cell that we have locked from the inside into your loving arms of freedom. To see the power of the gospel in our life again this morning. That the lamb was slain for me. Lord, if we've drifted from you this morning. If you feel distant to us, Lord, I pray for your spirit that you would convict our hearts. If we've never trusted you, I pray that we would be convicted to take that step today. That we can walk in freedom with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.